Hello. Hey, uh, welcome back to the show. Um, so for the listeners, new listeners out there, how about you introduce yourself? Okay, um, I'm Matthew Doucette of Zona Games, and Zona Games is a is an any game studio uh, comprised of just myself and my brother, so a team of two. Okay, and yeah. um, so the last time we were discussing just um, you submitting a game to the 2008, um, what is it, Dream Build Play contest for for Microsoft, and um, and then deciding after that to just keep on pursuing the game a little more until Xbox Live. Uh, community option came out. Um, so after that, so how did you keep going? What was what was the feeling at that point? Um, and how did you stay motivated and figure out that, hey, this was going to work this time versus when you did your studio before? Okay. Um, well, after the Dream Build Play 2008, we didn't place in that. I don't remember exactly when Dream Build Play 2009 was. I think it was shortly around August, September, Probably around August 2009, we, re, we re-entered Duality ZF. Only this time, we had spent about a year on it, and it placed seventh in the contest. In, in Canada, there's only one Canadian team that was above us, so we said we placed second in Canada. And we kind of ran with that. It was kind of our first uh, award, you know, our first kind of claim to fame. We kind of ran with that, and we got picked up in the news. We even made it on, like, uh, TV news. Uh, it was pretty cool. So we kind of got a lot of. Um, once we once we had a claim to fame, we kind of got a lot of uh, publicity and recognition for that. And then from there, right after that would have been around, uh, you know, August September two thousand and nine. Then shortly after that, we went to MIGS, which is Montreal International Game Summit. So we started going to these uh, game conferences, and then after that, we went to uh, uh, GDC uh, early this year, um, and that's that's the Game Developers Conference, the biggest one in the world, probably. And that's when we started meeting, you know, everybody else in the industry face to face, and that really mattered. And we we met with a lot of publishers. We didn't know if we had a chance at Xbox Live Arcade or not, you know. So we just talked to everybody about w- the ideas that we had. And it turned out that we were a lot closer than we thought. So that all of that kind of continued. You had to have some sort of confidence level and to keep going with this because if you if you on if we honestly thought there was no end game, I can't see that we would continue. But there's always something way bigger in the future waiting for us. Almost. Um, you know, let's talk about these conferences. What inspired you to finally uh, go to these game conferences and? How important would you feel is GDC? I mean, for the smaller game developers out there, when they look at GDC or something else like that, it's you know it seems pretty expensive. It and, is a, yes. very expensive. <laughs> so, so the question is: is is it worth it? I mean, did it really add a lot to um, your understanding of the game industry? Was it? Yeah, can you talk about that more? Um, well, I, I actually I can. Um, because MIGS 2010, this year, we actually didn't go to it uh, because we basically didn't have enough time and, or, and money, really. So what, what propelled us to go to those conferences was that we actually did get some funding. We got some funding from some government, government initiatives in Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, based, you know, we, they got wind of us doing well in the gaming industry, and they wanted to support that. Yeah. So we were lucky. We got some help to go to those conferences, both of them. 
Uh, in fact, they paid they paid the entry fee to him. We still had to pay to get there and pay for you know hotels and whatnot, and we had to pay for our food, and that was probably half the cost. So it still was expensive for us to go. Um, did you meet? Um, you know, how was it meeting all these other indie developers at GDC? And um, you know, how did you come across meeting you know relevant publishers and stuff like that at GDC too? On both of the conferences, they have a pre. A meeting setup form on the internet. It's you, they always have these it's kind of like these uh, meeting systems that only half work, and so you end up scheduling the same person twice or two people at the same time. It happens in ev so far everyone I've gone to that happens with, but everybody's so great with that. Like if you end up double booking, they always seem fine with it. It just seems like there's a part of the territory, and honestly, what what we did was. In our form for MIGS, the Montreal International Game Summit, they wanted us to explain what our purpose was. And at that point in time, we had none. We didn't even know why we should go. The gov our government was basically pushing us to go. We were just so close-minded. We really, uh, we didn't know that anybody, why would anybody want to meet us? It's kind of what we were thinking. But once we went, we just realized, oh, this is how the game works. You just meet people. Uh, we met with some guys who did like AI, just the AI in video games, the artificial intelligence, which we don't need in our simple games. Uh, but it was still cool to meet with them. It doesn't necessarily, there doesn't have to be a match all the time. And sometimes it, it's a reference lead. Sometimes they might know of somebody or we might know of someone. And it works like that. It's a, it's a lot of networking and it matters. It, it matters a lot more than I thought it would. And um, Yeah, can you talk or, about the ways in which it, it did matter for you? Um, I mean, what you know, what, what did you take away from that? I mean, are you still in contact with these people? Um, what, how has it improved your game and your prospects as a business? Um, well, one way it mattered was to be more realistic with where our goals are. We realized that it was going to be difficult to get on Xbox Live Arcade, and it was kind of, uh, it was, we found out that it was still going to be difficult, I guess, but still po but maybe possible if we went these following ways. And just finding that out is huge because it might have, that might just take years of just uh, messing around at home kind of thing to figure that out. But you can go to someone who knows the answer, basically, and just ask them outright. And you talk to enough people, you start to get an idea of how the system works. Okay. So goals, our, our goals were basically either you know, confirmed or rejected, you know, based on this stuff. And then afterwards, actually meeting directly the people that you can do business with later on is how it matters too. Yeah. As you were transitioning, you know, from this kind of uh, small project to, you know, turning this into a business, what, you know, what were some of the changes you had to do? So you talk about, um, you know, dealing with the government and, you know, getting funding and going and meeting other people. What, what, what have been some of the changes you've had to do to uh, make sure that, you know, people can play these games because you have a sustainable business? Okay, the biggest thing, honestly, is our scheduling and deadlines. Honestly, is the biggest uh, change. You mean like in our everyday lives kind of thing? What do we have sure, to... Sure, sure. I would, I would say that. And it's one of the most difficult things to do too, especially if you're not used to it. Because yeah. um, a, a lot of us, uh, any game developers, we are just hobbyists first and yeah. there's no deadlines on our projects and we just like making each our own project and that's fine. But what happens 
when it needs to be done. And not only does it need to be done, uh, what a deadline does that, that makes a developer uncomfortable is that it cuts features. And that's the last thing an artist, I'll call them, the, I'll call us artists for a moment because it's almost like an art and we're almost artists. We don't want to release a product that's not up to our standards. And usually our standards are sometimes higher than what they even need to be. Sometimes it's the details that have to be cut that, that you will not be happy about for cutting. But it's what, it's what changes you from someone who does great work but doesn't get anything done to someone who gets something done. And you start making waves in the industry that way. Um, Definitely. What about marketing? Uh, did you have to consider that or keep that in mind as you're trying to get exposure and meet the right people? Or is that right. still not important yet? Um, marketing, I'm not, I was never really sure how much it mattered because it always seemed to be a balance. When you're doing marketing, you're not developing. Some people have nailed the marketing by doing none of it. They just do their development and they make a game that's so great that it just help, just effortlessly gets tons of marketing. <laughs> so that's great. If you can be one of those guys, <laughs> that's the way to do it. But if you're not, and I don't think our games, uh, I'm not sure what it is about them, but maybe it's just the fact that our graphics, we don't have a graphics artist. I'm not even sure. Um, I don't have the ability just to gain like millions of views like so effortlessly as some of these other games do. And then, so then it, it is a good idea to have a website, you know, put out trailers, whatnot. I think we have like a, we probably have like 100,000 views on our trailers now. So we, we have done some of our own kind of indie marketing. That's where, you know, at this point. And I think, I'm not, like, I think it has helped. Uh, but there's a balance there. Don't spend all of your time doing it because then yeah, it's difficult for me to answer that question. It's a balance. You have to still be making games when it's all said and done. Um, how, what, you know, you, you mentioned putting it on Xbox Live Arcade. What about um, putting it on the web? Uh, you know, there are other emerging platforms like Flash and stuff like that. Did you guys consider that? Um, you know, we never considered any of those platforms. And mostly because we were thinking of it from a hobbyist point of view, not a business point of view. There may be, maybe there was money in that, but what Jason and I did not want to make a Flash game. We wanted to make a game that runs 60 frames a second on a high-definition TV with explosive gameplay and explosive graphics that, and just adrenaline rush, a coin-operated style gameplay. And Flash is not that. And nothing against Flash games, but I don't play them. Uh, that's just not what I'm into. So... Maybe there's a hidden gem in there is that uh, we might be ignorant. We probably are somewhat towards Flash games. But at the same time, we are doing what we completely understand. We're making the games that we like to play ourselves and the ones that we completely understand. So I think sometimes it's a mistake to recognize a, a business opportunity, opportunity, then go make a game that you really don't understand You know, to try to capture that because you may fail at it. Um, so after uh, San Francisco GDC uh, in the springtime, what what was the next step then? Um, you know, because you're you want to make games that you enjoy making and that you enjoy playing, so you want to get on Xbox Live Arcade. You That's know, right. What was the next step? Next step was after we met them, we go home, we prepare a bill to send off to everybody that we met that was interested, and then wait to hear back. And that's what we did. We did hear back, but from quite a few Xbox Live Arcade publishers, 
Uh, we even had a few deals. Um, some of them were like, you know, at different stages. And we are now basically chose the, the one we find, we figured is the best and we're running with this the, with this company. Um, it's not far enough along for me to give a report on that yet. Sure. But it's definitely close enough that I'm calling it. I'm calling, I'm calling Duality's FNX BLA game at this point. Okay. So when, I mean, do you know when it might be released on XBLA or? Um, we're not that close yet, so. Okay. And you <laughs> so, know, but what, let next year for sure. Like next year, and it won't be this year for sure. That's yeah. And what's what's the benefit of going through a publisher uh, at this point? Um, you know, because I thought with Xbox Live Community, you could literally submit it straight to Microsoft, and they would, you know, decide one way or another. Uh, maybe that's changed, uh, but um, only the indie games in Xbox Live. Indie games, you, you, there's no publisher. You just submit it. Microsoft takes its thirty percent distribution fee, which that still exists in like in Xbox Live Arcade. Microsoft takes its thirty percent distribution fee, and then out of the seventy percent left on indie games, that's all yours. Seventy percent left on Xbox Live Arcade, that's up to you and your contract with the publisher, and. To answer your question, you need a publisher to get on Xbox Live Arcade because only Microsoft only allows um, basically have kind of Xbox Live Arcade slots, and only so many are available each year. It's about two every week, um, and we don't have one. Like Zona Games doesn't have one, and you can't just submit it without a publisher. Maybe. Uh, maybe if your game was really good, Microsoft would act as the publisher for you, and I think that has happened with some of the indie games uh, team so far. But for us, Microsoft wasn't interested in taking us on as a publisher. They usually just, you know, they have their pick. They take the best games um, for what, you know, and they try to fill out their por portfolio too. So if there's a lot of shoot 'em up games on there. They're not going to be as interested in another shoot 'em up right away. Um, things like that. So some, it's not always just the, the game quality. It's also the game type that plays a factor. And what would you say then is uh, the benefit of being on XBLA versus the, the indie game version where you don't need a publisher? Um, well, it will make more money and you'll get more press. You'll just, the reputation, everything. Okay. like It's just bigger and better. I, I view it as, even though there's some... There's some indie games that have made a couple hundred thousand dollars, but on average, I don't want to. I don't want to guess at an average figure that the average indie game makes because honestly, there's a long tail, right? So the average probably isn't even a proper figure to even consider because um, it's very easy to do above average on the indie game section, but average is very very low. If you look at the there's about 1,500 games out there right now. So if you look at the 750th best game, it's not going to be a very strong title. Okay. Um, so it's relatively easy to do better than that. But there's there's way less money in it. There's no marketing. I, I don't want to say there's no marketing because we're on the dashboard, and that's that's what delivers the majority of the sales, just simply being on the Xbox 360 dashboard. Okay. But there's not as much marketing as in when you go to Xbox Live Arcade, um, the Xbox Live Arcade section, for one, is worth more money. Just having your game there is worth more. It's a list that moves slower. You're on the main releases list for a long time. Uh, sometimes you even get uh, extra promotion on the dashboard. And outside of that list, uh, you're, if you're worth a publisher or have a marketing company on your side, 
which we do. Uh, they'll do marketing and stuff for it. So there's a lot of extra stuff. Of course, they take their cut for doing that stuff. But and when it's all said and done, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, um, do you know, during yeah. this time, are you were you guys considering other games? What about were, were publishers suggesting like, hey, this is the next hot game genre. You know, maybe you should be doing this. Um, how, how yeah, you, what do you mean? Uh, um, we never <laughs> considered other games. <laughs> and the reason is you can't uh, just change, switch focus. Like, well, I, but, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what a lot of people, resp you know, like, so that's the question, you know, there are indie developers who are trying to get in and, you know, people are like, well, why don't you go do this, which is completely different. And, Maybe not yeah, I suppose. what you're passionate about. So, um. If you're done all of your projects, let's say we just finished like we just finished Decimation X3 and Score Rush, and they're both coming out in indie games. Let's say we didn't have Dualities the F on the plate. <laughs> then right now we probably could do that, and we would jump into that. What's the next best thing? And maybe it would be some, I don't know, if you could sense where the, the, the trends are going, then you could capture it, but... So far, that hasn't been the case for us. Like, we just totally have just made our own games. And I'm not sure. You go to these game developer conferences, and there's always uh, speeches on this, the trends, and this and that. And it's just, it all sounds good, but I just don't know how many developing companies can really take advantage of that. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Um, you know, aside from Duality, uh, ZF, what other games have you been working on? Are, or are, have you been just primarily <clears throat> focused on that? Uh, well, the last two or three months, we were focused on a remake of Decimation X. And it's called Decimation X3 because actually Decimation X2 was a Windows Phone 7 uh, title. So that's where the missing two is for some people who don't have been able to find it on the Xbox. And then Score Rush, which is actually use, it actually uses the Duality ZF engine. So it's a shoot-em-up, a multi-directional kind of dual-stick shoot-em-up. Very simple. These games are on the indie channel, and they sell for 80 Microsoft points, so a dollar, one dollar USD. Okay. Um, so we, yeah, we're just concentrating on that. And Decimation X3 just was just released on December 7th, and Score Rush is to be released on the 9th. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so these will show up on in the indie area for Xbox Live. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how did how did those come about? Um, you know, did did that feel like you were taking away resources from your main project, or I mean, how definitely do you balance it did. that? It definitely did, and it was a huge problem for us, because uh, basically, with duality, duality is self-funded. We're not receiving funding, so how do we continue to to live? How, where does the money come from? So we took a break from it to put out. We had planned on releasing four titles. And we ended up releasing three. So it was Decimation X2, Decimation X3, and Score Rush. So we got three of the four and ended up taking probably a month longer than we wanted to. And there's that, there's that whole thing. Like, it always takes longer than you think. We thought in two months we could do four titles. Uh, in three months we did three. Still pretty good, actually. It's, very, it's still a very good... You know, that's, that's a lot of work to do that. But we still over underestimated how long it would take. And what was your feeling about putting this on the indie channel where you get a dollar per game or something else like that? Do you feel that you could get the volume necessary to to make it worthwhile? Or? We do think we can do that, actually. Okay. We do. Uh, a lot of developers don't, but that's the... It's always going to be the case on an unrestricted open platform. The majority of games are going to be in the long tail. 
Yeah. It's no man. And honestly, it's not very hard to make. I shouldn't say it's not very hard. We should reword that. It's not um, to to have a game that's kind of within the top. Let's say the top fifty or the top rated to be in, within the top fifty rated games. Isn't uh, you don't have to make a game that's exceptional. It just has to be kind of like okay by any standard. Just as long as it's not. I don't know, too flawed. Like a lot of these titles that they're um that are not making money really don't deserve to be making money. Honestly, like they're not they're the highest quality product. So it's not it's it's still not the the competition's not as stiff as I uh, as I would have expected so far. Okay. Honestly. So I think almost any honest studio who is trying to put out if you're if you're honest with your deadlines try and and your quality of work, you should be able to make uh, I I would say it'd be on the verge of making a living off the Any Game Channel. Um, we're not sh- we're not really sure yet because these two games are coming just well one's out and the other one's about to come out so we're gonna see yeah. basically. Um, were there any other factors that uh, inspired you to want to make games for the Indie Channel, and um, were there any other challenges uh, as you were developing them? Um, well, we to make a console game, it was kind of a huge thing. To uh, I don't know why why it's a huge thing, but maybe just because it's always been blocked off before. But that's why we wanted to go indie. We knew we could get uh, some of these simple games, and honestly, some of our games actually fit the indie channel better than they do the Xbox Live Arcade channel. Uh, it's an interesting thing to to appreciate, but there's actually different game formats and i'll just use the word format because i've heard other people use that <clears throat> and it matters how much the game costs uh the channel that it's on uh it all plays into the expectations that the gamer has of your game and some of our games like destination x3 it's very simplistic and it's not a long story driven game it's just a pure arcade based infinite loop game like it's, you know there's enemy invaders you gotta kill and there's different waves of them, and there's an infinite number of waves, essentially. It's like one of those open-ended games like that. And that really fits the dollar price point. It wouldn't fit a $10 price point so much unless you, you'd have to change the game at that point. And, and when you put it on the Indie Channel, are you able to um, communicate with the people who play it? I mean, is it also a way to build fans for your bigger game? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, it definitely is. Okay. It is. Um, actually, I just read an article on these guys that made three indie games. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but I think it's called Arcado Series. Uh, they made three indie games, and it basically they made probably about $50,000 off those three games in total, which was about what it cost. For, I think it was about what it cost them to make them. I'm not sure. I, I really shouldn't. I won't say that for certain, but... Uh, they made the but because they made the games pretty quickly within a month or two each one of them, so but it it opened up bigger opportunities for them because they developed a fan base. Other publishers recognized their great their the games are amazing. You should check them out. They're all on the indie channel, and uh, it just created better opportunities. And I think to some degree, uh, the same thing is almost in is almost happening with Jason and I with Zona Games with like the publishers recognizing Duality ZF and whatnot. So I think we're in the midst of that happening with us. And how are you what steps are you taking to build, you know, your fan base and your community so that, you know, they do know and you have a receptive audience when you when you finally release the game? 
Uh, well, I have plans to put a form on my website, <laughs> okay, okay. which I haven't done yet, which now that these two games are coming out, I think I should get yeah. on that because <laughs> that would be a great thing to do to have actually people, because there are, uh, there's Xbox forums, but so far it would be cool to have them all, all, the, all our fans, I guess, collaborated in one place as opposed to just on the Decimation X form and then just on Decimation X3, you know, all separated all over the place. So that's one thing. And besides for that, I, we, just, we really stay in touch with the, uh, the communities. Um, for example, all of our games so far are shoot-em-up games. So there's some shoot-em-up forums on the internet that are very popular with you know tons of shoot 'em up fans so we stay connected to the those communities and it's not something that we even really plan we were i was i was part of that forums before we started making games or before zona games started so we kind of we're kind of uh somewhat in the fan space anyway and um you know you mentioned doing a windows phone game uh can you talk about that more and how you um what inspired you guys to do that Okay. Um, well, Microsoft actually invited us to do a launch title for the Windows Phone 7. So about a month, maybe a month and a half before it launched, we agreed to do that. And we never actually got, we weren't, we never promised a phone, but, and we never, we never got one. Uh, so we actually had to program that. And really, Jason would be the one to answer, to answer this question the best. So I'll just try my, the, my best at doing this. Sure. He's the one who did all of it. Uh, he ported Decimation X from XNA into the new game, XNA Game Studio. Upgraded it to XNA Game Studio 4 and whatnot. And then using uh, Windows Phone 7 emulator, made the game with it. Uh, it's not as simple as just you know clicking Windows Phone 7 instead of Xbox. You do have to change a lot of your game, but it's, it is. He actually had the same code base running both games. Okay. So it's it's pretty impressive, really. It wasn't, it it was somewhat of a port. It wasn't a port, you know, like take. It wasn't a full port by any means. So he did accomplish that pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, we still we still haven't played it because we still <laughs> I have never seen a Windows Phone Seven yet. We're not exactly in the technological, you know, high place uh, where I'm living right now. Um, yeah, so what were your what are your thoughts about mobile? Is that a platform that you guys might um, move towards in the future? Um, that's it, another thing. It's almost like in the same realm as the Flash with us. Yeah. It's not the full, you know, big screen, uh, 60 frames per second action, you know, where you have the stereo blasting out the, the game's action. There's something about the phone, mobile phones that are, are against what our core needs and desires are about so we kind of but th and here's that thing there definitely from a business perspective there is a large there's large opportunities with it uh one of them you always hear of these companies making like um, <laughs> a dollar game that sells like two million copies yeah. you know it's a pretty it's, a, it's impressive and so we we do want to try out the iphone and we do want to try out the windows phone 7 more but as pure gamers, as pure, uh, almost say the hobbyist side of us, we don't want to touch them. We want to play and make uh, gameplay that's only possible like on a console. Yeah. A lot of our games really touch upon gameplay and that accuracy of moving that ship exactly in between those bullets. And that type of accuracy is impossible on a, on a touchscreen 
on, on mobile phones until they have like a control pad built into them or something. So it's definitely, there's a, a little bit of leniency on us to do that, to go after those titles, uh, after those platforms. But I can't see that we won't eventually just try some new ideas on them. Yeah. But it's not at the top of our priority list right now. Yeah, I mean, how do you balance the concept of, you know, the fact that these platforms, which, you know, may not be able to have the most hardcore gameplay that you're talking about, but they have a huge distribution reach. You know, they have business models that are way more accessible. Like, you can give your game away for free, and then there can be an advanced or, like, a paid version, which is 99 cents. So, you know, there, there are new business model opportunities and, and, you know, new distribution opportunities. So how do you... Um, is it <laughs> I know what you're saying how do you how do you yeah. ignore that <laughs> yeah no it's it's hard it's hard honestly uh one, it's a huge once you get into the gaming industry you just realize there's more opportunity thrown at you than you could possibly ever take advantage of which is just just think of all the different possible platforms yeah. like it's not it's not even just the mobile phones it's also like even the the Nintendo mobile platforms and PSP and whatnot there's always so many platforms that we just two of us we can't possibly take advantage of all of them what we have thought of is if one of our games ends up being huge let's say Duel UCF just destroys everything else we've ever done and sells like a million copies then we would probably take that and port it to a bunch of those platforms even though we know it won't be as good yeah. It'll, it will have the name and then we can attack it but there's no sense taking a game let's say it's only sold 100 copies and porting it to all these different platforms you might as well just do that once you have your big hit that's somewhat of a plan that we have uh, besides for that uh, we're just you know it's more, more or less it just gets put in that bucket of here's another opportunity that we have to skip on basically um, what's, what's next in store then for the studio um, you know, what are the um, upcoming releases and what, uh, where do you feel the studio is going to be going in the next six months? Okay, well, uh, Decimation X3 just, was just released yesterday on Indie Games. Score Rush is going to be released tomorrow on Indie Games. Hopefully, I mean, it could always uh, fail the peer review. We, had, we did have some audio glitch in it. Jason just figured out this problem right before we, we started talking. Oh. Um, so I'm not sure if we're going to pull that and, and uh, re-release it or just release it and just release an update a week later. But um, So anyway, Score Rush will probably be out tomorrow. And then after that, we're clear to work on Duality ZS. Yes, we're going to explore that, see if we can get on to XBLA for real. Um, which means uh, we have the publisher on board, but what we need is Microsoft to be on board, and we haven't been greenlit by Microsoft yet. So they're, they're going to be waiting a proposal from us. Uh, we'll have to send in some sort of you know, uh, proposal so that they, that they uh, agree that this, this is a game that they want on Xbox Live Arcade. Once that happens, then we're in full swing, and the next six months we'll be working on Duality ZF. If... Uh, if Duality ZF doesn't get on Xbox Live Arcade, we'll be releasing it on any games. We'll probably break it apart. It's too—it's it's like too big of a game right now for any games. Um, okay. We'll probably break it apart into okay. different shoot 'em up games. Um, uh, that's just kind of—you uh, know—things yeah. change every day. I could have a different oh, yeah. answer <laughs> next week. So yeah, definitely. 
Um, yeah. So where can listeners find out more about your games and uh, you know check them out and stuff like that? Okay, well, just visit our website, Zona.com, X-O-N-A dot com. Uh, uh, right off the bat, it, show, it basically shows our games and links to trailers. So you can definitely, and the, and the ones with release dates that have links, those are the ones that are released and you can download and play. Um, so if anybody at all, and feel free to contact us. I'm looking at my site now. There's a contact uh, button right on our on our menu. Okay. You can just email us, or there's a few forums on the Xbox you can post in as well. Or you can add us on like on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, and write us that way. It'd okay. Be pretty cool. Yeah. Great. Um, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate. Uh, it. Well, I appreciate it too. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye.